Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome to Jet Centric number 85. I'm your guest host, Kishore. This week, we have on Sean McAdoo of The Athletic, one of my favorite hockey writers. Sean, a.k.a. Down Goes Brown, uh, writes for The Athletic. He's also the co-host of the Puck Soup podcast and the author of the Down Goes Brown History of the NHL, which is a weird, wild tale of all of the foibles in NHL history over the past century. Uh, We had a, a chat about the season on pause, what it could look like if it comes back, We touch a little bit on the Dustin Bufflin termination, uh, and Sean tells some crazy stories from when he was in the booth during Hockey Night in Canada while in college. It was a great chat. I hope you enjoy. You should definitely check out Sean on Twitter uh, and uh, get a copy of his book because it is one of the best reads during this time. Hope you enjoy. John, welcome into Jet Centric. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so I need you to lie to me for a second and pretend that the season is actually going to return. I know there's a lot of optimism about that, but I'm not quite a believer, but we'll keep up the lie for right now. Um, So you probably have been pitched about all of the ideas around how to potentially do this. And let's say you don't want to... um, Uh, choose who makes the playoffs by points percentage for some reason i don't know maybe you're a fan of the winnipeg jets and you don't want that to happen Mm -hmm. uh have you heard anything that has struck you as kind of intriguing to you or or weird or strange that you thought might be fun to try out yeah i mean there's there's a few ideas going around uh obviously the the points percentage idea is one of them the idea that you just go straight up by points accumulated uh is out there that's that's obviously not a great plan uh in terms of being being fair to the teams across the league but uh there there is uh a a sentiment that says hey look you you only get the points that you actually earned you can only uh you, you only get to use what's in the bank and if if some team didn't get as many games then that's that's too bad for them uh that doesn't really work i i think for for most people who maybe aren't the fans of teams that are, are, uh, uh, are, would get in based on that. Uh, the, the other idea that's, that apparently is gaining some traction is this idea that you just rewind everybody back to 68 games, which is the, the minimum that everyone in the league has played. Uh, this is uh, Frank Saravelli was, was the one who, uh, sort of, uh, pushed this one where, uh, we, we just go back to whatever anyone was at at 68 games. That's, that's what you finish with. And, and it's, and, and we just go from there. Uh, the thing with that is you end up with the same 16 playoff teams that you got with points percentage. So it doesn't really help the jets. It doesn't really help anybody other than it gets some, some different matchups. Um, ideally in a perfect world. And if, if we're lying to ourselves and pretending that hockey's going to come back and, and everything's going to be close to back to normal soon, then the ideal situation is you do some sort of play-in. You get a few of the teams that are right on the bubble, and we figure out a way to do, whether it's a series, whether it's just even a two out of three, something uh, so that at the very least, teams like the Jets, teams like the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, all of these teams on the bubble can say, hey, we had our shot, we played, we won or lost our way in, uh, and we didn't rely on a bunch of GMs sitting around uh, uh, 
uh, in a Zoom meeting coming up with ideas. So that's the ideal. Realistically, are we going to be able to do a playoffs that's even longer than what we normally do? Probably not. Uh, that that doesn't feel all that realistic. But you know what? May, may if it's two out of three, maybe we got to do some sort of warm up, anyways. I mean, teams teams are can't be coming into this thing completely ice cold. So maybe that's the compromise. Maybe that's the way we do it, and we all get to just sit down and uh, watch a completely crazy weekend of hockey to determine uh, four or eight or however many playoff spots we we want to put up for grabs. That would be kind of a cool way to do it. Uh, is it realistic? I don't know. You told me to lie to you, so yeah, I'll say it's. I'll say it's yeah, realistic. None of this work. stuff. Yeah, none of this stuff is is realistic in a time when like no one knows what what is going on in the world at this point. But I like the idea of like of us being like this is a, a like an insane year. We might as well just throw uh, keep every idea that's um, that's thrown out there now and kind of sort it out later are there any lessons we can glean from um the pan i mean the, this isn't the first pandemic that's happened while the nhl's been in business i mean there was the during the 1918 season which canceled the stanley cup we went through this are there any lessons we can glean from history of like how the nhl has approached times when games have had to be canceled that weren't directly gary bettman's fault i mean it's there really isn't a lot out there it's it's you look at 1918, I mean, 1918, the playoffs got canceled and the league almost folded uh, because it was two years old and uh, it uh, it had already dropped down as low as three te- three active teams and there wasn't really a lot of leeway. It's uh, We're certainly in much better shape than we were back then, but uh, I don't know that we can we can learn all that much from that. Uh, beyond that, I mean, we the, this league played through a world war where an awful lot of the the best players and best athletes in North America weren't available to pro sports leagues. And there were all sorts of other things, curfews and uh, rule changes that came from that, but everything kept going and everybody kept playing. And, and that's, that's not a situation where uh, we have, we have access to that. And as you say, certainly we, as hockey fans, we've got more experience in not watching our sport than pretty much any other fans out there because we, we get these uh, semi-regular lockouts and shutdowns and, and all these other things that happen whenever the CBA is up. But uh, I, I don't know that we learned that much from, from there either. I mean, this is, it, it's been said a million times. These are unprecedented times. This is a completely bizarre situation. And uh, I'm not sure anybody knows what to do. And, and I think that if, if anything, uh, the NHL will probably find itself watching uh, Major League Baseball and, and particularly the NBA and and then kind of going along with with what they do and and uh, hopefully learning from any mistakes that are made and and doing the best they can and and hopefully as fans and even as as media who who like to criticize these guys hopefully we'll give them at least a little bit of leeway and understand that uh, this is such a bizarre situation that uh, there's there's going to be some weird stuff that happens there's going to be mistakes that are made. And uh, we're, we're just going to have to give everyone at least a little bit of benefit of the doubt as they try to figure this out on the fly. I'm I'm in that camp of uh, we should probably cancel the season just because I can't imagine putting the players through whatever situation, empty arenas or not, where they have to be away from their families from for who knows how long while all of this is going on. Uh, it's just hard to imagine. But there I was reading a a history of how the NHL approached 
uh, things during 1918 and it and it's terrible but there's one thing out of a, a guardian piece that came out that I, I that i really enjoyed is when the senators and canadians were playing in essentially the the semifinals before they went to uh were, before montreal went on to play seattle um the senators lost one game and uh their fans threw len- lemons and turnips onto the ice and i feel like it's just been a long time since we've seen turnips thrown onto the ice yeah. in an nhl game uh so i feel like if we can learn something from that, it's that uh, uh, we should really go to the well when it comes to strange vegetables being thrown. That's uh, down. That's not bad. I'm 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 all in. I'm 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 with you on that. I'm on. Count me on team turnip. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I uh, I've uh, loved seeing you talk about, like even you had a chat on the athletic this week where uh, some fans asked you, you know, some of your favorite, you know, in person memories. Uh, at uh, hockey games, and you bring up Jets 2.0, their first playoff game, as being one of your favorites. Uh, why was that one of your favorite games you've been to? Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, th- this was back when I was writing for Grantland, and, and we had that uh, wonderful, uh, almost unlimited uh, ESPN budget to dip into, and, and they had... <laughs> Basically, you got that Bill Simmons money then. It, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was pretty nice. And uh, we had been told that, uh, look, if there's games that you want to go to, especially in the postseason, let us know, uh, and and we'll see what we can do. And and that year, uh, with the Jets, not not their first year back, but their first year back in the playoffs. And and I said, you know, can, can I go to the first playoff game? Uh, that they host and and we ended up doing that I, I did a few other games out on on that trip uh, went to one in Calgary and uh, and that sort of thing but it was mainly because I wanted to go and and just be in the building because I, I had heard that it was you know it was going to be crazy it was going to be loud uh, and and uh, you know I, I gotta be honest I went in part of me wanted to just be there and be part of that experience thinking it was going to be great and then there was also part of me that was a little bit skeptical thinking like Man, I you know, let's see, because one of, one of the the narratives that drives me crazy every year in the playoffs is when there's always some team that doesn't make the playoffs very often, usually from a non traditional market where the building's half empty, and then the playoffs comes around, the team makes it, they sell out the building, the building is loud, and everybody has to pretend like this is now the loudest building in the NHL. Like, oh my gosh, you have to come to Carolina, it's so loud. Oh my gosh, Nashville is now the loudest building. And then you end up watching it, and you go, yeah, it's loud, but it's playoffs, it's supposed to be loud. Is that really any louder than Toronto or Montreal or Chicago or wherever else? And it usually isn't. So there was part of me sitting there in that box, uh, press box in Winnipeg going, ah, let's see, like, let, let let's, you know... Dig bring it Winnipeg let's let's see what you got and it was absolutely phenomenal it was the loudest building I've I can remember ever being in uh it was uh just a great experience and it lived up to all the hype and and I I wrote a piece about it that basically said as much uh and it was it was a great game not not a great game for the Jets because they ended up losing uh I think in overtime but it was you know it was just lots of big moments and and yeah, it was my my first time in that building, and uh, and it was phenomenal. It lived up to to all the hype, and and my cynicism for for once was uh, uh, had to had to get laid to rest uh, temporarily because it it actually lived up to it. 
Hey, we lived up to something for once. I, I'm like a Jets 1.0 fan that, that meandered back. And I, I remember watching the whiteouts like way back when. Uh, and we had some awful accompaniments to it. Like there was a famous um, uh, music video that was created um, called Everybody Wear White Tonight that was set to Wang Chung um, that I recall from, I think it was the late 80s. Uh, the, uh, so I wasn't really hopeful when Jets 2.0 whiteout was coming back, that it wasn't going to be this kind of, uh, old school mishmash, but wow, have the playoff games been just electric there. Uh, and I wonder if it's just like the pent up frustration of not having games for so long, but it wasn't just like that it was loud. It was just like everyone was into it. Uh, and even though like the, that early series, especially that, that one against the ducks where we just got wiped. Um, it, it just seemed fun uh, to be in the barn. So I want to get your quick takes on things that are Jets playoff specific and see if you should if we should keep them or not. You ready? Yep. Okay. Giant pictures of Queen Victoria. Pro or anti? <laughs> yeah, pro. Of course. I, I mean, if if she's not hanging over you, staring you down during the anthems, like that's that's your intimidation right there. I don't. Uh... I don't know why you would you would move away from that. Okay. Where are you on Dancing Gabe? Uh, who got... literally got votes this week in the Jets fan survey as their favorite Jets of all time. Which oh. I don't know what that says about the Jets fans on the F. You're, you're gonna have to bring me up to speed on on this one. See, I think we have the information we need. If you don't know who Dancing Gabe is, I think that's that's enough. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, that, I think that's your vote. Apologies to Gabe, but you know, I'm, uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm out of the no apologies needed. I, I think you're, I think you're right there. Okay. Uh, where are you on player songs, uh, player goal songs right now? And should the Jets have player goal songs? You know what? I like the idea of player goal songs, uh, but I get, I always get nervous because I feel like there's got to be, it's, it's hard enough. And I'm always amazed by like the guys in the building who have to be the one to like hit the spotlight and hit the goal horn and everything as soon as the puck goes in. And to on top of that, have to have somebody figure out which of the 20 players just scored so that you can play their song. It's a lot more complicated. And, and part of this is I have flashbacks because I one and one only one time in my life I worked a game in the booth for Hockey Night in Canada where it was my job every time a goal was scored to immediately write down who had scored and who got the assists and hand it over to Chris Cuthbert, who was uh, calling the game and, and who I was sitting next to. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Like I, I literally had, was like mentally fatigued for days afterwards from just focusing so much on who scored, who did what, you know, obviously, yeah, Mark Shifley comes in on a breakaway and scores, cue up his song. But Every time I hear this idea, I'm just like, oh my God, there's some poor guy who's going to be sitting there going, wait, did, did that get tipped? Did that, was that, who, who got their stick on that? And then they play the wrong song and it's like a whole thing. So short answer to your question. I love the idea. I, the execution terrifies me. And I, 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 I just, I'm like presumptively anxious on behalf of whoever would have to uh, have their finger hovering over 20 different goal songs uh on any given night so uh, hold up one second like you got to be in the booth for a hockey night in canada game one time yeah what was that like it was awful it was uh it was in it was in it ottawa was awful. it was ottawa it was uh what happened was i had a, a friend of mine who uh uh had done work with hockey night in canada and and 
he had done this. He basically it was it was Stringer work where Hockey Night would go to different uh, arenas, and I, I'm guessing probably in Toronto or Montreal they they always had their own people, but in some of the other places they would hire locally just to do these kind of odd jobs that uh, that were needed. And yeah, this buddy is before you were a writer, this this is no, I was in uh, I was in school at this point. Like I was uh, I, I was in journalism school, so I mean there was, but I, I was I was nobody. This is like mid nineties, and uh, yeah, my buddy had had worked with him. He had done it before. He said, "I can't do this night. Do you want to go on a Saturday night work hockey night in Canada?" He says, "I don't even know for sure what they're going to have you do, but it's probably just going to be this with," uh, and I and. And I said, yeah, of course I'm going to do, I'll, I'll take that opportunity. And I got there and it was Chris Cuthbert and, and Dick Urban. And I got to sit in the booth with them. But you know, my friend had said, this is probably what they're going to have you do is, is the goals and assists because they like to be able to say, as soon as the goal scored, they want to be able to say, oh yeah, this guy, this is who scored it. This is who got the assists. So he says, you know, it's a little bit of pressure. If you screw up, they're going to be ticked off at you because they're going to embarrass themselves. Uh, if, if they read the wrong information, but, but you should be able to handle it. And I remember him telling me as long as, you know, like it'll take you a while to get into the groove of thinking it through that way, but you'll be fine. As long as there's not a bunch of goals scored right away. And I think the Canadians and the, and the senators scored like six goals in the first 10 minutes of the game. It's like, it was insane. It was like, and, and I was just like, just sitting there having like a, a mel- and I remember after, after the game and it went okay. And I, I did a, a good enough job, I guess. And like just coming back and I'm sitting in my suit at like this pizza place on Bank Street with my girlfriend and, and she's like, are you okay? And I was, I guess I was just like so frazzled and so like thrown off. And I was like, I don't think I ever want to do that again. Cause that was, uh, that was a miserable uh, experience, even though it was also at the same time, one of the coolest experiences of my life to get to actually be in the booth uh, for a hockey night game. Uh, I was happy to do it once. I never got asked to do it again, but if I had, I, I probably would have come up with an excuse not to. Fair enough. It, like, what was it like actually hearing them when they're next to you, as opposed to, you know, hearing over the radio or the TV? Like, you know, I, 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 I have reruns of famous calls in my head, but I imagine being right there. Did it? Did it even like sink in? Like, could you even hear them talking, or were you so nervous about? I, I probably uh, keep track of all this stuff. Yeah, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have. Uh, it, it, I mean, it sounded the same, and and it's just sitting there. I, I got to be honest. There's, I was a little bit disappointed because I'm even back then. I, I, I'm the world's biggest Bob Cole fan, and I was really hoping it was going to be maybe him and uh, uh, and and Harry Neal doing the game, uh, but. You know, Chris Cuthbert, obviously a pretty, pretty decent uh, uh, second choice, and and he was very nice and everything. But there's no interaction or anything during the game. Like I mean, you're, you know, I was just sitting there, uh, trying not to, uh, not to get in the way. But yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, and and there may have been a few minutes in the third period where I actually appreciated uh, what I was getting to experience. But um, yeah, up until then, it was, uh, it was just me desperately hoping that you know for what like like alexander Daig didn't didn't get a goal for like months at a time when he was with the senators but that night he has like three points and his line is flying and all this other stuff and i'm just and i'm sure you spelled Daig like four different ways like i just had to write uh, the number to... even that was the thing but but the thing is like it, it's not even the goal it's the it's like the second assist that throws you off because you have to be thinking like Every time someone touches the puck, you got to like think that number in your head, and then if a goal goes in, you got to go back two numbers and figure out like what was the last. It was 
it was and I, i'm sure there's people out there the next time there's hockey or you're watching like an old classic game try to do it in your own head uh and and see if it's as stressful for you as it was for me I, maybe it's easy maybe i maybe there's just there's something wrong with me that i couldn't do it but i uh i i hated it um and yeah i i probably should have spent way more time uh appreciating what i was in the middle of doing and and not just trying to not throw up on chris cruthbert's lap on uh live television i think this is probably a lesson for uh for a lot of us fans who are like yeah we could do that job and then like you forget all of like the monotony and details that probably go into the work uh that goes into this like if i was a gm i'd spend most of my time like going over like these like very specific contract clauses um and like printing documents and getting them signed like the there's all this not fun stuff that probably comes along with working in hockey yep. that we forget about Absolutely. Uh, how are you um managing your time like during this break are you watching any of the the kind of rerun games are you are you like uh paying attention to the players like on on twitch like playing um uh playing call of duty or whatever how are you like keeping up with all this stuff you know you know i haven't done a lot of that i uh i i've watched a few of the classic games but but not a ton uh you know i i have been working from home for years now so that part isn't that different except now i've now got my wife here i've got my two kids here all day uh so uh, a lot of times in the evening we'll be watching a movie or you know something as a family rather than than throwing sports on uh although i do appreciate all the people on twitter who every time they show either the uh wayne gretzky high stick game or the bruins it was for one comeback i inevitably get barraged with people giving me a heads up you know just so that i don't miss it letting me know that that game's going to be on um but i i haven't watched a ton the one thing i have done is uh, the NHL has been sending around these uh, these Zoom meetings with the players, and I've I've uh, jumped in on a couple of those, uh, not because I find them particularly newsworthy, but because uh, my son will watch them with me, and he thinks it's extremely cool that I get invited to conference calls with like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, so he'll sit there and watch them trash talk each other uh, on Zoom, and and he thinks uh, he thinks that's pretty neat, and I, I think he's under the impression that I know them personally, and I'm not just on a mailing list somewhere <laughs> from the league's PR people. I've watched a few of those Zoom calls, and I have to say, like, even even though they're they're not newsworthy, as you say, or you know, uh, in most cases, that interesting, like the the players actually are are a lot more fun, relaxed than what we usually see during during the the season. So I kind of dig this kind of more real relaxed player where they kind of open up a little bit. I, I'm kind of hoping we'll, we'll see that uh, going forward in some way, if they can keep some semblance of, of that vibe up going forward. Um, I can't have you on and not talk about Dustin Bufflin since his contract was terminated on Friday. Um, uh, so two questions. Uh, one, uh, how unusual is it to see a player walk away from, you know, what was it like 14 million bucks? Um, is that something that that happens? And uh, is it like there's a lot of conversation amongst Jets fandom that like Dustin was a unique guy. He like, you know, he really just played hockey, wasn't necessarily like somebody that put hockey first um, and we loved him for it. Uh, but how unusual was it for him to walk away? Yeah, I mean, it's extremely unusual. I can't really recall too many examples of of guys 
walking away from from this level of money, uh, you know, certainly we've seen guys retire. We've seen guys who physically couldn't play anymore walk away. We've seen guys who uh, were were already at the end of their career and and maybe had a year or two left and and walked away from that. Um, in in Dustin Bufflin's case, I mean, we don't really know the full circumstances. Maybe he is too hurt to play. Or you know maybe he is he is just done. Um, I guess we'll find that out over the coming months and and maybe even years if we see if he's if he's interested in playing again. Um, but yeah, certainly to to have that amount of money still left on a contract for a guy who's not that old. I mean it's 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 not like we're talking about some forty two year old who who can who can barely uh, barely get out there anymore. Uh, this is a guy who last time we saw him play looked like he still had. Uh, uh, still had something left, uh, so it's it's an unusual situation. I don't think any of us know all the details. You, you just kind of cross your fingers that uh, everything works out for the best for everyone involved, and the Jets now have their closure. They can move on uh, heading into the off season, uh, whenever that is, and and make whatever decisions they have to make. And and you just hope for the best for Dustin Bufflin, whatever that happens to look like uh in for his own personal situation so buff is one of my favorite players he's certainly my favorite jets 2.0 player uh just for how he was and um how he played on the ice how how he acted on the ice and how how he he treated it as an entertainment product uh he's not a hall of famer by any stretch of the imagination um but is he the best nhl gift player of all time Boy, yeah, he uh, he might up there. He might be up there. Yeah, he was very memeable. He was uh, he was fun. That I, I stick still my all time favorite memory is the just that image of him like holding the two guys, like one guy in each hand, just sort of like looking like a dad who just has had it with the uh, the rowdy toddlers, and he's like, all right, that's that's enough. Uh, he was great, man. I uh, he was he was always especially as someone who you know as not a Jets fan to just watch on the highlights. He was, he was fantastic. I mean, this this just total wrecking ball with the big shots and uh, and everything. He was, uh, yeah, he was always definitely one of my favorites to uh, uh, to watch. And uh, like I say, I, you know, if this is it, then it was a hell of a ride. And if it's not it, then uh, hopefully he finds a, a landing spot uh, somewhere and and sometime where he's uh, yeah, he's going to be happy and ready to go and create a few more memories for us. I love that all the packages had him ragdolling, you know, two guys at once. And uh, I think he did it three times uh, to different teams. <laughs> so it was just um, it was just fantastic seeing him do that. Uh, so with all the this pause and we start to look to the uh, to the future, this actually seems like an awesome time to tinker around with some of the rules the league has, because whatever the league is going to look like going into next year and beyond, like we know things are going to change with the, the economics that are going to go on, just like how things are going to shift. Like we may see players retire, play, uh, players that are in Europe may not come back. Like who knows what changes are coming. So it seems like a time that like, if we're having changes, we should make some changes. Uh, so you were talking about this on, on puck soup with some of the other guys. Are there some rule changes you want to see? that you would put front and center uh, for NHL coming back next year. Yeah. Uh, there's there roughly a million. Uh, and that's, <laughs> I've, 
you know, I, I feel like I'm, I, I'm kind of the guy who uh, has is always talking about what this league should be doing differently or better, and uh, yeah, that's that's fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's kind of, in a way, it feels a little bit like 2005 when we lost the whole season of the lockout, and mm-hmm. suddenly the league came back and it was like, oh, we've got the shootout, and we got rid of the red line, and we did all these things that the traditionalists had always told us we could never do, and it was sort of like, well, we're so happy that hockey's back that we won't worry too much. Uh, that they made these changes. Uh, but yeah, I would, I mean, first and foremost, fix the standings. Uh, the loser point has to go. Uh, this is ridiculous that we still have this thing. It is ridiculous that we still have a system that incentivizes teams to play uh, boring conservative hockey in the third period and uh, wait for uh, wait for overtime so that the, the game suddenly is 50% more valuable in the standings than other games would be. Uh, complete, complete Bush League. Uh, and and does not, by the way, do what the league says it does, which is keep the playoff races closer. It, it has nothing to do with the playoff races being closer because every team is getting these loser points. Uh, so it you know if 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 everybody's getting the points, it doesn't keep the the races closer. It just makes everyone's record look a little bit better, which is of course the entire point, the entire reason we still have it. Uh, get rid of that. Go to a three two one point system. Uh, that would. Uh, uh, that fix would make me happy, and then from there, uh, yeah, I got. I mean, I got a long list of other things I do. I would. Yeah, I, I, would, I know you probably want to make puck over glass a major penalty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Make, make that a, make that a major. Outside <laughs> reviews, of more one. of those. Yeah. No. I, uh, where are you on on red line? Uh, like going out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I keeping keeping the the two line pass is is good. I, I'm you know I I. We don't want to clog up the neutral zone. I don't think it's made a, a huge difference, but keep that in there. But yeah, certainly get rid of offside review. Uh, get rid of goaltender interference review. Uh, um, it's it, it. We tried it. It hasn't worked. Uh, every it, it it isn't making anyone any happier. Uh, the the whole point was we were supposed to avoid those big controversies that that made everybody angry, and instead we've got dozens and dozens of smaller controversies that makes everyone angry. Uh, Fix the puck over glass. Treat it the same as icing. That one's a common sense. Uh, and uh, yeah, you go go on down the list. But th- those are the main way we fix. If we could fix the points uh, system and get and fix offside reviews, which is to say, get rid of it, uh, that would uh, that would make me happy. And then uh, I would even probably be able to uh, uh, ignore the other fifteen or twenty items on my list. Uh, so, last question for you. Uh, You've been a, a a student of NHL history uh, like no one else in in recent times, uh, and in reading your book, there's this kind of theme that uh, you you kind of get this feeling that sometimes the people in charge of the NHL kind of don't know what they've been uh, what they're doing. Uh, you know, fast forwarding to now, how confident are you that the NHL is going to navigate this time? Uh, you you said off the top that you, you have a lot of um, kind of empathy and, and room for them to make mistakes. But how are you generally, um, uh, what, what's your general sense of how they're going to be able to navigate this period? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't have a, a huge amount of confidence, uh, partly because, and in fact, largely because the, the scope of the problem is just so large. I mean, uh, James Myrtle had a great piece on The Athletic today explaining how the, the entire escrow system and the entire salary cap system was never designed to withstand this sort of radical revenue changes that we're going to see this year and, and probably into next year. 
so it, it's it's really I, I I know a lot of people here while the players might not get paid and they go well who cares these are millionaires people are losing their jobs everywhere but just the the way the whole league is structured is really not set up well to uh, to handle this sort of system shock uh, so I I mean that on its own is is not great I I don't have a ton of confidence in in Gary Bettman, although when it comes to pure bottom line stuff, that is his strength, and and you know so so maybe he will do a little bit better here than he does uh, in so many other things. I don't have much trust for the GMs and the people who who make a lot of the rule changes and and that sort of thing. They're constantly looking out for their own interests above and beyond the the league's interest. That that's that's been obvious for years. The one thing that would give me and I don't, I don't even necessarily say confidence, but the one thing that would make me feel a little bit better is that unlike the CBA stuff or unlike so many other problems with the, that the NHL has, they're going through this alongside all the other leagues. And I have much more confidence in, for example, the leadership of the NBA than I do of the NHL. And they're going through the same sorts of issues uh, and and they can lead the way a little bit. And like I said, I suspect the, the NHL is is not going to be out front of this calling the shots and, and being the leaders. I think they will be trailing along behind watching what the, the NBA and, and the other leagues do. And maybe that puts us in a little bit better situation because um, they can sort of see what, what actual leadership might, uh, might go with. Now that takes you up to an extent, obviously the NBA is in a situation where because of TV deals, they could just play in empty arenas and still make a ton of money. The NHL cannot do that. Uh, so there, there are certainly challenges the NHL is facing that NBA and other leagues are not. But at, at the very least, we can get a little bit of uh, that Adam Silver leadership through osmosis here. Uh, that'll uh, that'll make me feel a little bit better than if we were purely relying on Gary Bettman and Jeremy Jacobs and and all the usual brain trust who uh, tend to steer this league in the wrong direction more often than than not. I just hope we don't rush back. Um, because this seems like a time for mm-hmm. uh, measured choices more well, than anything if, else. If we rush back, get ready to shut it all down again real soon, because that's that that's mm-hmm. what will happen. And we get one shot at this. Yeah. If you come back and you play one round of the playoffs, and then suddenly there's another outbreak, and you you got to shut everything back down. At that point, you're done. So yeah. you you get one shot. It's it's better to be a little bit late coming back to the table than too early. Uh, well, for those hockey star fans, I highly recommend uh, reading Sean's uh, a column on The Athletic where he's uh, really uh, diving deep into uh, some uh, weird stories like the the best lineup uh, based off of uh, uh, numbers, uh, hockey jersey numbers was was definitely an interesting read. Uh, but also his book, Down Goes Brown, The History of the NHL, The World's Most Beautiful Sport and the Mo- World's Most Ridiculous League is an awesome read, if not for uh, just the story about the Purina dog company and and their um, <laughs> and that story. Yeah. Well, we'll save that for another time. Um, Sean, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me uh, on the uh, at The Athletic. Um, that's that's where all my uh, all my content goes. Uh, if you are a subscriber, uh, you come find me on the hockey pages. If you are not a subscriber, uh, consider subscribing because the the content is is fantastic, not just at, for the NHL, but any other sports you're a fan of. Uh, there's a ton of great stuff, a ton of big news breaking 
Uh, and, uh, and if you don't feel like, uh, like paying for sports content, there's a 90 day free trial right now. So you can uh, jump on and get three months to try it out and, and see what you think of us. Uh, and, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll like it so much that you want to stay on after that. But uh, if you don't, then, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have had three months of, uh, of, of getting to check it out. So, uh, I hope people give that a try, uh, if they're, if they're not already on board and if they are, uh, keep, keep an eye out. Cause, uh, we're, we're already, it's been a month without sports. We're already getting pretty weird. And it's, uh, it, I, I've seen some of the stuff on the schedule. It's, it's going to get a lot weirder, uh, <laughs> over the next little while. So, uh, jump on board now. And you're also on a, a pretty okay hockey podcast. I'll, I'll yeah. say. Not, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's not bad where, uh, we do what we can. Yeah. Puck soup with, uh, Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert, uh, where we talk about, uh, we, with the three of us talk about hockey and then sometimes Greg and Ryan talk about pop culture and movies and stuff that I haven't seen. And, and I go and grab a coffee while that happens. I'll just uh, put in a last thing. Uh, the wrestling talk is actually pretty great, uh, as pretty much the only sport going right now. So, yeah, uh, I, I recommend it for that alone. Yeah. Uh, Sean, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.